Good morning, Crosspoint. There was actually supposed to be more to that video than what you saw. It kind of got froze there. But the story, you're going to hear it all today. We continue in the story. A kingdom is torn in two. It's really the story of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. We've been going through the major narratives of the Bible. And this is the portion of the Bible where a lot of people, if you've ever decided to read it through, when they get to this section here, it gets a little bit harder to understand in some ways. And they have a tendency to give up. I'm asking you to hang in there. It gets a little confusing because now we got the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. This one has ten tribes, this one has two tribes, and this guy's got a king, and these guys got a king, and how come they're fighting each other? And it gets a little bit harder to understand what God is doing, but believe me, he's got a, he's got a work that he's doing in the upper story. Just keep on reading, keep on going to your growth groups, keep on coming on Sundays, and we'll explain it, and, and you're going to get this, and it's going to be helpful. God always has a plan, amen? Now, what they tell me about movie critics, before you ever go to see a movie, do you ever listen to what the critics have to say about the movie? They, they tell me that when they, they critique a movie, they really have like six categories that they look at. First of all, the setting. Secondly, the characters. Thirdly, the point of view. And then the plot. And the plot usually has, you know, good guys, bad guys, the villains. And then the resolution. And then finally, the theme. If today's story was a movie, we would call it A Kingdom Torn in Two. The background, as you recall, they, they finally made it to the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey, and you have a tendency when you're enjoying life and enjoying things to forget about the provider of all those things, don't we? When life is easy, we forget about God, and they certainly did. As a matter of fact, they didn't want God to be their king anymore. They wanted to be like the kingdoms round about them that had a king on earth. And so God gave them exactly what they wanted. You remember the first king of Israel? Big tall man, taller head and shoulders above everybody else. His name was Saul. Well, Saul wasn't a man after God's own heart. He didn't get God, and, and some bad things happened under his leadership. But then God raised up a shepherd boy by the name of David, became the second king. David got God. David understood God's heart, and he was a man after God's own heart. Perfect man? No, but he really got God. And then he dies, and he turns the kingdom over, the throne over to who? His son Solomon who prayed for wisdom and became the wisest man on earth. But his problem was, he didn't take his own advice. And he ends up doing wrong. He, he was in a perfect position, if you stop and think about this for a moment, to really tell the kingdoms round about Israel. See, Israel was supposed to be kind of like missionaries to the rest of the world. He was in a perfect opportunity to tell kings and queens who would come to visit him about this Jehovah God that they served, but he blew it. He ended up marrying 700 wives, and those wives, during his later years, lured him away to worship their gods rather than the God. Isn't that a sad story? 
And because he had a divided heart, you know what God said was going to happen to his kingdom? His kingdom would be divided. And so from God's upper story perspective, what has he now got to do? He's got to set in place some people on earth in leadership roles to divide the kingdom. And that's exactly what happens. It didn't have to be this way. You remember, God told Solomon, if you follow my ways, you saw the scripture, if you don't follow foreign gods, there will be one of your descendants on the throne forever. But if you don't, there's going to be a price to pay. And he says, Solomon, I'm not going to take away your kingdom while you're alive, but one of your sons is going to lose it down the road. The lower story application today is this. Today's decisions become tomorrow's reality. Let me say that again. Today's decisions become tomorrow's reality. In other words, your decisions that you make today are going to impact your children, your families, your grandchildren. And, and, and it goes the same way for a nation. So it's very important who you choose to be your leaders. Solomon was the king and he really blew it. But it doesn't matter if it's a mayor of a city, it will affect and have an impact on the citizens of that city. It doesn't matter if it's a governor of a state or a president of the United States. Those people we put into power and elect and we choose impact all of us. And so be very, very careful with your vote. Make sure you are choosing God's man, God's woman for these positions of leadership. And here was one of God's men whose heart was divided, and now he's about to end up with a divided kingdom. And who does that impact? The citizens of the kingdom. And so be careful about the choices you make, because today's decisions become tomorrow's reality. We read about this in 1 Kings 11, verse 10, although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods. Solomon, don't do it! What does that remind you of? Adam and Eve, here are all these trees you may freely eat. Leave this one alone, and you can almost hear God screaming from heaven, Don't do it! And man sinned. And God comes to you today, and time and time again, you can almost hear Him saying through His Word, Don't do it! Mankind has a tendency to do his own thing, and there's consequences with that, Solomon did not keep the Lord's commandment, the Bible says. And so the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you. The darkest hours in the history of the nation are about to take place. The upper story, God's working behind the scenes, to get this kingdom divided, the lower story, well, we see what that looks like. Let's look at those six categories. Just like a movie, we're going to critique this movie called A Kingdom Torn in Two. First of all, a movie critic looks at the setting. What's the setting? Well, the backdrop to this story is Solomon dies. Solomon has heard from God that his kingdom is going to be divided, but it won't happen while he's alive. It will take place with one of his descendants. Solomon had 700 wives. How many sons do you think he had? Bunches of them, right? But God has Solomon choose <laughs> which one? The one that's going to mess things up and divide the kingdom. God knew exactly what he was doing in that upper story, didn't he? Solomon 
chooses Rehoboam to become his successor and take the throne. But there's more characters to the story. Not only is there the setting of Solomon dying, our two main characters today are Rehoboam from the tribe of Judah, appointed by his daddy, and Jeroboam from the tribe of Ephraim, appointed by God himself. One's man appointed, one is God appointed. Do you see the picture on the screen of the prophet Ahijah? Ahijah was told by God to go and meet up with Jeroboam. Who is Jeroboam? Jeroboam used to work for King Solomon. He was an official in the kingdom. And God says to Solomon, one of your subordinates will now become the next king. And when Solomon finds out that it's Jeroboam, he tries to kill Jeroboam. And Jeroboam flees to Egypt for his life. And so you've got Rehoboam and Jeroboam. They're not related. That's not two brothers. Don't make that mistake. They are just two people that God is going to use to make sure that this kingdom gets divided. And that prophet Ahijah was told by God to take a cloak, a brand new cloak, take it to Jeroboam and rip that cloak into 12 different pieces and then hand Jeroboam 10 of those pieces and say... You're going to be the king, the new king of Israel, and you're going to get ten tribes. How many? Ten. That's known as the northern kingdoms, also called Israel. There's going to be two kingdoms in the south, or southern kingdom, known exclusively as Judah. So it gets a little more complicated. Up to this point, we've read about Adam and Eve, Abraham, Isaac, Noah, you know, David, Solomon, those guys we can kind of keep straight. But now we've got a divided kingdom. We've got a king in the north, we've got a king in the south. Why are they fighting each other? What is this all about? Well, it's God keeping his promise. If you obey me, it will go well with you. If you don't obey me, you're going to get a divided kingdom if you have a divided heart. You cannot serve God and money, right? And that's what happens. They try to do both, and things go terribly wrong. 1 Kings 11.31 puts it like this. You will be king over Israel. So when you think of Israel from now on, think of northern ten tribes. Now, he tells Jeroboam what he's told Solomon, what he's told Saul, what he's told David, the same thing. If, 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 remember we made a big point last week. If you keep my commandments, I'll do all these blessings. But if you don't, there's going to be a price to pay. And Jeroboam could have had many, many blessings, but he doesn't take advantage of the position that God has put him in. So we got the setting, we got the characters, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and now we got the point of view. From the upper story, it shows us God's perspective as he goes about fulfilling his promise to what? Divide the kingdom. The lower story shows us the daily lives of who? Rehoboam and Jeroboam. The two perfect tools that God is going to use to mess everything up and divide the kingdom. Couldn't have got two more perfect people to do this. Rehoboam, on the one hand, prepares to become the new king. Jeroboam, remember, he has already fled to Egypt, so Solomon wouldn't kill him. But they're about to collide. The plot thickens, and in every good story, 
you have a plot with conflict. These two are going to be at conflict with one another. As a matter of fact, they want a war against each other, but God prevents, at least at this time. 1 Kings 12, verse 1. We read about Rehoboam. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt. Remember, he was hiding out from the king where he fled from King Solomon. He returns now from Egypt. And so they sent for Jeroboam. And he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Look, your father put a heavy yoke on us. And that was true. Solomon, although very, very wise didn't always apply his wisdom. You know the difference between wisdom and knowledge? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Solomon didn't always apply what he knew in a correct way. And he laid heavy, heavy taxes on the people. They were brutal. And then he would actually enslaved some to come work for free on his palaces, on his cities. And he'd, this bride wants a house, that bride wants a house. Sure, 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 I'll just con, you know, get more people to build those things. And it was rough. It was a taskmaster type of a situation. Solomon was brutal on the people. He's finally dead, and they go to his son Rehoboam saying, Look, if you'll just take it a little bit easy on us, lower the taxes a bit, we'll serve you all the days of our life. What do you suppose Rehoboam's going to do? But now lighten the harsh labor. And by the way, in the Hebrew, that phrase harsh labor, it's one of the words used of the Egyptian taskmasters on the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt. So you can tell Solomon was pretty brutal on his own people. And the heavy yoke he put on us. And we'll serve you, Rehoboam answered. Go away for three days and then come back. And so he went away for three days and... He thought, you know, at first when you start to read the story, you think, well, you know, that makes sense. Don't make a snap decision. And, and, he, and, he, and he goes to his father's advisors, the elders, if you will, the, the older men that used to serve at his father's table. And he said, what do you guys think I should do? And the elders said, you know, what the people are saying is true. Your dad was a brittle taskmaster. I mean, he kind of overdid it. I mean, you don't build these palatial palaces and hanging gardens and have all that gold and have all that, you know, houses and chariots and blessings without it being paid on the backs of somebody. If you just lighten the load a little bit, those people will serve you. That's our counsel. But, you know, he didn't take that counsel. He went to his buddies. It says his peers that he grew up with. You know, I'm looking back. When I read that phrase, I look back at some of the peers that I grew up with, and I'm thinking, man, why would I want to take counsel from those idiots? I mean, I grew up with some guys that just weren't real smart, all right? But Rehoboam, he goes, I'm going to go to my buddies. And you know what his buddies suggested he do? He says, man, you, you need to take charge of these folks. You need to let them know who's boss. You need to lay down the law right from the beginning, You tell him, your father beat you. Well, here, here's the way Solomon put it. My little finger is broader than my father's waist, waistline. What's he saying? 
I'm bigger and I'm more powerful than my dad. Now, there's sort of a disrespectful thing to say, right? And my father beat you with whips. I'm going to beat you with scorpions. Not such good advice. And that's what he did. 1 Kings 12, verse 8. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders, gave him, and consulted the young men who he had grown up with and was serving. I guess the the lower story application I would give you right about here is be careful who you listen to. Amen? Who are you listening to? Do you only listen to people that tell you what you want to hear? Or are you listening to godly counsel from those that have lived longer than you? One of the things I love about our senior saints here is they've lived a lot longer than most of us. They've been through more things. And I remember listening to counsel of those that were older than me, and I really didn't get it at the time, and I'm glad I took the counsel when I did. I didn't always. But when I did, I just didn't understand. They would say something like, you just haven't lived long enough to know what I'm talking about yet. Have you ever heard that phrase? And then you live long enough and you go, oh, I get it now. I see what they were trying to tell me. Some things you learn the hard way. Other things you'd be wise to learn from the experience of others. You don't have time to make all the mistakes yourself, right? So why not learn from those that are ahead of you and take their wisdom and their counsel and their advice? That's a biblical principle. The older are to teach the younger. Proverbs 15 puts it like this in verse 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but... With many advisors, they succeed. So we've got the setting. Solomon's dead. The characters, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. The point of view, the upper story, the lower story. These characters are going to divide the kingdom. The plot. Do I go easy on them? Do I go hard on them? What will Rehoboam do? What will Jeroboam do? And then finally the resolution. It's seen in 1 Kings 12, 16. When all Israel... Saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king. Well, if that's the case, what share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, O Israel. What were they saying? We're out of here. We're out of here. If there's really nothing in it for us, why should we help you one bit? Look after your own house, O David. And so the Israelites went home. You know what, folks? There comes a point when people will only take so much, and then they rebel. And Israel is at that point, and they're saying, we're out of here. We're going home. You think you can keep this palace? You think you can keep all this going by yourself? You just try it without us. 1 Kings 12, verse 20. When all the Israelites heard that Jeroboam had returned, ah, he's the one that's going to be their leader, their king. They sent and they called him to the assembly and made him king over all of what? Israel. Now, who's Israel? Northern ten tribes. Who's Judah? The southern two tribes. Judah and Benjamin are in the south, and the other ten tribes are in the north. I think I got a map, don't I? Okay, so I put a map up there. Let's take a look at what this looks like. That's the divided kingdom. So you see Jerusalem down here, Judah. That's where um, Rehoboam is. And then the Israel, that other upper section there, that's where Jeroboam is. 
the other ten tribes. So that geographically, if that helps you get it in your head, uh, there you go. But don't worry, folks. The story gets worse. You say, how can it get any worse than this? Well, there's a problem. Where is the temple? Is it in the north or in the south? It's in the south. It's in Jerusalem. And what has God required of every Jewish male to do three times a year? It doesn't matter if you're a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker. You've got to go three times a year to Jerusalem to the temple to offer sacrifice to God. Remember Passover? That's a big event. Remember the day of Pentecost? That's a big event. Remember the Feast of Tabernacles? That's a big event. An insecure Jeroboam, didn't I tell you God got a perfect person to divide this kingdom? He thinks, well, if they go down south to worship, their loyalties may be to who? Rehoboam. And I, they may come back and kill me. There's a whole lot of faith and trust in what God has promised, right? In, in really the Bible, doesn't all these stories boil down to, do you really trust God or you don't trust God? When God says he'll take care of you if you follow him, are you going to trust him to do it? Or are you going to do it your own way? Oh, Jeroboam and his insecurities, he builds a golden calf. No, not a golden calf, two golden calves. And uh, he says, I'll make these high places. You know, it's too much work for you guys to go down south, he says, in chapter 12, verse 27. If they go sa sacrifice down south, you know, they may come back and they may kill me. So why don't you guys just worship these two golden calves? These will be your gods. These are the gods that led you out of Egypt. Oh, how quickly we forget. Do you remember Aaron doing the same thing when Moses went up on the mountain for 40 days? And when he comes back, they're worshiping a golden calf. These guys have learned nothing about trusting in God. They do exactly the same thing. He's more concerned about his kingdom than he is about God's laws. And in verse 32 of chapter 12, it says, At Bethel he also installed priests at the high places he had made. He did two very inappropriate things. First of all, he made idols. Second commandment, don't build an idol and don't bow down to it. Secondly, he established his own priesthood to oversee idol worship. Who was the only tribe that was supposed to be the priestly tribe? Do you remember? The Levites, the tribe of Levi. And the ironic priesthood started with Aaron, and that's the way it was supposed to remain. But he violates that commandment as well. And so, to save his own kingdom... He violates God's principles. And so I ask you this morning, who are you living for? Are you living for your kingdom, like Jeroboam? Or are you living for God's kingdom? Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 6, 33, put it on the screen, Cason, to seek first what? Your kingdom or the kingdom of God? His kingdom, the kingdom of God. His righteousness, and all these things that we worry about, the 401k plan, the nest egg, all that stuff that we talked about earlier. Guys, I'll provide that. Just trust me. Seek me first. And so today's decisions, whether good or bad, become tomorrow's realities. And Jeroboam did a very, very bad thing. A bad decision affected the northern ten tribes for 200 years. 
And finally, it leads them to captivity. In 2 Kings 17, verse 22, you'll re- read this phrase again and again. I, don't, I think about 19 different times. You'll read this phrase, or something like it. The Israelites persisted in all the sins of what? Jeroboam. And did not turn away from them. In other words, this idol worship continued for over 200 years until finally God says, I've had enough, you're going into captivity. And that's exactly what happens. Finally, the theme. We'll close with the themes. Really two themes, an upper story theme, a lower story theme. The upper story theme, God doesn't need all 12 tribes to accomplish his plans. Amen? God can, do, God can raise up Abraham's seed through stones. But he decides, I don't need all 12 tribes. I just need Judah. Because Jesus would come through what tribe? The tribe of Judah. If I can preserve the tribe of Judah, I can get the Messiah born. And I can accomplish my purposes, even though things look like they're a real mess right now in the divided kingdom. Now, we live in a world today that looks really, really messed up right now. Wouldn't you agree with me? Isn't our world pretty messed up? And it's getting worse. But you know what? God can break good even out of this mess that we're in. And the mess that you're in, if you will only open yourself to God and, and open, open yourself to His wisdom. God's plan of salvation continues even in the mess. The lower story theme is the ripple effect. The ripple effect, you ever throw a pebble in the water and the, you see these little ripples spreading out? Well, when you have a divided heart, that was the, the pebble in the water. It was more like a big rock. And the kingdom now is being divided. That's the ripple effect. And... Um, It can split a nation. The ripple effect can split a family. The ripple effect can break up a relationship. Be careful your words. Be careful what you do. Be careful of the decisions that you make. There will be an effect. And when we mess up big time, you now see why we need a Savior. Because we've all messed up. And that's where Jesus comes in. That's where the gospel comes in. Now, I know that living in the lower story can bring discouragement. It can bring disappointment. It can bring confusion. You know, you've ever looked up and said, God, what are you doing up there? It can bring pain. We don't always understand it from our perspective. And when you're starting to feel the onslaught of all this, I want you to remember this, that God is still at work that God is still in control, that Jesus is still on the throne, amen, and the tomb is still empty. Don't ever forget that. In your darkest hour, don't ever forget that. When Here's another principle. I've noticed that when people will only trust and obey, did you ever sing that old hymn? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not always, but generally... Unless God's got another plan, generally things go well. But when you do your own thing and you don't trust and obey, things generally as a rule go bad. And God would have you to trust and obey Him. And I'm going to close with this question. Of those two choices, trusting and obeying God or doing your own thing, of those two choices, 
Which one summarizes your life right now? Are you trusting God? Are you obeying Him? Let's pray about it. Just as the decisions that Solomon made so long ago that impacted this divided kingdom, it had a very, very negative impact. Your choices today and decisions today can also have a positive impact. And so right now where you are, would you consider your decisions that you've made in the past, how they're impacting you, your family, your business, your money, your neighborhood? And then think in terms of generations. Think generationally. What impact will my decisions have on my children and even grandchildren and great-grandchildren? What do you want them to say about you? What do you want them to learn about you. Remember, there's always a ripple effect for your decisions. Now, God has a plan for your life, and He wants to enter your life, and He wants you to turn to Him so that the story of your life can have a positive impact on others. And perhaps you need to ask God to help you and start that new story for your life today. And if that's the case, and Father, if there's anyone here today that does not know you, that they will come to know you even now. And may this be their day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.